0: Hi everyone, I'm Cindy Mooring, the Founder and Executive Chair of the Business Integrity Leadership Initiative at the Walton College of Business, and this is the Business Integrity School podcast. Here we talk about applying ethics, integrity, and courageous leadership in business, and most importantly, in your life today. I've had nearly 30 years of real-world experience as a senior executive, so if you're looking for practical tips from a business pro who's been there, then this is the podcast for you. Welcome. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. I'm Cindy Mooring, and welcome back to another episode of the Business Integrity School. We are in Season 6, talking all about speaking up and culture building and what that looks like in different parts of the world and in different companies. And today we're really fortunate to have a special guest with us who's gonna to talk to us and with us all about what that looks like internationally through the experiences that she had. So I'm really excited to welcome Jennifer Haskins. Hi, Jennifer, how are you? Hi, Cindy. Jennifer is a former colleague, as you'll hear about here in a minute, and also a dear friend, and most importantly, she is a Northwest Arkansas native and a University of Arkansas alum. Go Hogs. (laughs) After receiving her law degree, uh, Jennifer served as a deputy prosecuting attorney and worked for a boutique law firm before she joined Walmart. And she worked for over 16 years at Walmart uh, in various roles in legal and then in ethics and compliance. She supported the business basically all over the world, but definitely in the U.S., also in Latin America. And then she actually lived abroad for more than five and a half years and worked and lived in Asia and in Africa uh, during that time and has some really wonderful experiences to share with us. What was she doing over there? Well, I'll let her tell you a little bit more about that, but suffice it to say she was growing and strengthening our ethics and compliance culture around the world for Walmart and also integrating e-commerce as we were, building that out around the world, helping with uh, supply chain partners and helping them understand our culture around the world. And then she retired from Walmart, but passionate again about diversity and building inclusive environments, continued her quest post Walmart and did some work um, at Kansas State University as an investigator for discrimination and harassment claims and also training the faculty and staff on that really important issue. So, Jennifer, I am just thrilled to have you here today. You and your Jim are uh, your husband Jim are now retired, traveling around, passionate about international and US travels, spending time as you should with kids and grandkids. And I love the names of your two cats, Pino and, and Merla. <laughs> <Eyes. laughs> so welcome, welcome. We're just so excited to have you with the audience today and to share with the students at the university and, and others in the business community, passionate about the issues that we share um, and interest in um, your experiences. So can you just start maybe by telling us about living internationally and what are some of the highlights that you have from your time abroad?
1: Sure. Well, thanks, Cindy. It's it's an honor and a privilege to be here and, and to talk about something that I love. Um, I, I, I do enjoy um, the experiences of being overseas. I was blessed um, to be given an opportunity to um, go and help grow our programs for Walmart in uh, China to start. Um, a little reticent about taking that opportunity because I had a 50-year-old daughter at the time, um, but with had an adventurous soul and was willing to uh, move with us uh, to China and and go to an international school there. Um, And I would say certainly that giving my child the opportunity to have that international experience and see the world from a different perspective was a huge benefit and one of the things I loved about my experiences overseas. Um, But I had an opportunity to go and um, spent three and a half years living in Shenzhen, China, Um, But supporting our business opportunities um, throughout the Asia region, as we called it, which included our retail operations in Japan, China and India, as well as all of our sourcing and procurement opportunities, uh, you know, in that in that region as well. So Bangladesh, Pakistan, um, Dubai, uh, Vietnam, South Korea. So we had a lot of opportunities to uh, I had a lot of opportunities to travel and see parts of the world through my work there, which again was another bit. Um, But, you know, it was um, it really was a a life altering experience. And I don't say that lightly it to, to go from your comfort zone into a place where you're definitely the minority. um, You can't really speak the language. You have to learn to um, communicate differently. Your patience has to be uh, something that you work and grow on. Uh, You focus on um, and just learn about all of these different cultures and backgrounds and um, where the people come from. I think it took a lot for me coming out of the United States, being very driven and very focused and um, very task oriented to have to stop and really listen and understand was uh, a strength that I worked to build and grow while I was there, uh, because that certainly it wasn't the same. Yeah, I was not. Oh, I was definitely not in Northwest Arkansas anymore.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Dorothy's not in Kansas anymore, right? (laughs) Well, kudos to you and hats off uh, to you for being that adventurous and willing, willing to take those, those opportunities and really harness them uh, and and make a real difference. So we're talking all about creating a speak up culture uh, in this particular season of the video podcast. and that can be very heavily influenced by the geographic location uh, that you live in, in the world. So can you just like think about compared to the US, what was the speak up culture like in the places that you lived and work? How did, were they different from the US and how are they different from each other?
1: It's a great question. And they were very different. Um, and and I should mention that I also spent time in South Africa supporting our business opportunities in right. that continent as well. Um, I think 11 different countries at the time in, in the African continent, um, it, all radically different in terms of their, um, their culture and their, you know, I, I think one of the things that was very interesting for me and enlightening to me is I would go into a country or an area, I would try to do a little bit of research into their political background. So I had a little bit better understanding of, you know, why people might be more reticent to speak up. And I think we take for granted coming from the United States, a, a you know, long established um, democracy, where we're actively encouraged um, freedom of speech, uh, right? Right up, we voice things that we see. We have a, an ingrained sense of justice in the United States, I think, pretty robust, both in terms of our, what we expect of our businesses and corporations, but also what we expect from our government and our leaders. Um, so to go to a country that is isn't a democracy, um, at, like China, where speaking up is not necessarily encouraged, and there are real consequences uh, to people that do speak up. Um, against their government or against things that they may see as being done, um, maybe not in line with their values or their beliefs. Um, Mm -hmm. Real, you know, real personal challenges that come there. Um, You know, Japan coming into a place, people were so quiet, no one ever spoke. Um, But why? Well, you know, part of the issue was, uh, to me, as an American speaking rapid fire English, um, (laughs) they might not understand Right. Everything that you're saying, Um, things don't always translate either, which was something that I had to stop and learn. But, you know, countries like South Africa and India, these places in terms of democracies or uh, creating environments where people speak up, they they've only been, you know, democracies or independent for 50, 60 years. know, they're not 250 years uh, of that culture of speaking up. So definitely ran into challenges with people being very reticent to speak up. And again, like I said, um, there are opportunities, you know, the things that happen um, if they do. One of the things that was eye-opening to me, um, Cindy, when I first got to Asia, particularly Mm -hmm. in the United States, if someone had asked me to pay a bribe. I would be outraged, and on the news, and escalating that, people were paying bribes um, to get survive in their personal life. The culture there, you know, to get a driver's license, to get a medical certificate for your job, um, oh, no. get your utilities turned on in some situations. It was uh, an unfortunate part of their everyday environment. And so, one of the things that I think I had to quickly adapt to is. Um, kind of using American language of do the right thing. Um, when I was saying that, and uh, when I first arrived there, people were kind of tuning me out a little bit because you're making a moral statement about them and the way they behave. So if doing the wrong thing is paying a bribe, and yet that's how they have to, you know, survive in their day-to-day life, they're not going to be very open to hearing what I had to say. And so repositioning or reframing how I would talk about the expectations mm-hmm add um of our ways of working for walmart um and talking really leaning into that about it's not it's i'm not making a moral statement about what is right or is wrong i'm making a statement about this is the way we do business this is right and to work for us and to be successful with us this is the way you need to behave Mm -hmm. everyone has that that desire to succeed independently or individually and so trying to reframe it It took me a little while. And and I think the other thing is that they understandably, the citizens in these countries don't trust if someone says, speak up, that that, that's true or that there won't be consequences and um, that it it will work. It'll be effective. And so it took a lot of time and patience um, to build trust in the program,
0: um, both in Asia
1: and in Africa as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, that trust is so critical. And, and it does take time um, to build that kind of kind of trust. So are, are these internal kind of company speak up programs that we're familiar with from you know, the big multinationals, are those pretty much only in these other countries, um, a byproduct of the multinational companies, or do they exist organically in some local companies in those countries?
1: Yeah, I I would say in my time in Asia, I um, didn't really experience a lot, not to say that there weren't any kind of industry-wide kind of um, beyond the multinational efforts. Um, Each of these countries, interestingly enough, all of them had laws on the books against bribery, for example. Um, Every country that we were doing business in, whether it was being uh, enforced or applied effectively, you know, is a different story. Um, But I was very impressed when I got to South Africa. South Africa had one of the most robust um, ethics and social and ethics, you know, boards were required to have social and ethics committees um, Mm -hmm. I hadn't seen. And that wasn't for multinationals, that was for, you know, all businesses. Uh, So it was, Um, you know, over time a byproduct of issues that had come up in within their country and they reacted to that and they passed legislation and were becoming more robust on that. Um, And and there was more enforcement in in a country like South Africa specifically. And yet there were other countries where yes, there's laws and things on the books but you really weren't seeing it being implemented. You weren't seeing stories about it. Um, And in fact, um, in my time in China, um, a lot of the enforcement stories were against multinationals. Um, so mm-hmm. I never hear in the media about enforcement of those laws against local uh, businesses, but more against multinationals, um, more as a kind of a setting of an example. But, uh, but again, you know, they do have, uh, it is changing. I think countries are getting more robust. Business reputation is a huge issue. Um, people mm. don't want to do business with a company that has a bad reputation of operating outside the bounds of the law or unethically. Mm. And I think that's something that is becoming more and more uh, prevalent. People make choices about where they shop and where they, where they do business, where they get their utilities or services from based on that. It's to the extent they have choices, right. But they're making those decisions with a more informed, uh, you know, mindset uh, than before. So I think yeah. that also a factor in these countries getting more, um, I'll say, rigorous in terms of their enforcement around these issues.
0: Got it. So, you know, there was a recent report from the International Business Ethics Institute um, that dove into some of the reasons why people don't speak up in in certain countries. And so at least in the countries where they were doing their survey, U.S., South Africa, um, Australia, many of the European countries, there were three main reasons uh, why people don't speak up that they found. a long list, but the top three. One, afraid something was going to happen that would jeopardize their job. They didn't wanna be seen as a troublemaker, number two. And three, they didn't believe that corrective action would be taken. So do you, first question is, do you think that those reasons are universally true um, and would hold true in say China and India and Japan or were there maybe other reasons why people weren't speaking up? Just let's start there.
1: I would say, first off, absolutely, those reasons are legitimate and exist. Yeah. They apply across the board. I think that um, one of the things that took time, people needed to know that they could speak up and how to speak up. So I think if move past, um, so in maybe my, some of my early experiences in these countries, we were building our programs to make that more uh, known or more available and to build that. muscle in terms of talking a lot about speaking up and how to do that. Um, It, again, took time. We had, um, we're blessed at Walmart to have a great corporate culture with um, values that were universal and universally understood, right? Um, For the most part, uh, our acting with integrity um, took some definition of people sometimes and what that meant uh, from our perspective or our lens but things like respect and service and taking care of your customers or or you know stakeholders those were universal things people want and and I I do believe that most people want to treat others well and you know make sure that they're providing um, quality service and quality things and tell the truth and be honest and that people want to do that I found Um, but in terms of other reasons why people might be reticent to speak up, I already talked about the fact that in their personal lives, um, there, there are things that are, are happening yeah. um, if they do speak up. And so coming in, you know, all of a sudden I've, I've lived my whole life where I'm really told don't talk about that. Don't don't speak up. Don't be a troublemaker. Don't you've got to be perfect. you got to know all the information um, you can. You can't guess, uh, you know, you don't want to be wrong. If you come from those kinds of uh, upbringings, right, into a place that says, if you have any any doubts, you know, you don't have to have all the proof. You don't have to know. We want you to tell us so we can try to look into it and fix it. Well, they may not come forward until they have all the proof themselves ready to go because they don't want to make a mistake. Um, you also have experiences where people, you know, they've had consequences in their personal life or know of people who've had consequences in their personal life um, when they spoke up. And so they are not going to do that until you can let that program be in place long enough to build that reputation and build that.
0: Mm -hmm. And build that trust. And so that that sounds like it's in, in a way that's somewhat what I was going to ask you in terms of how do you overcome those what you would describe as universally kind of psychological um, hurdles, regardless of where you live. I mean, I don't want to be seen as a troublemaker. I, I, I want my job and I need it. And I, I, you know, I'm not sure corrective action is going to be taken, but when you build a program over time and they have trust in the reporting in, and then can see the proof in the pudding, if you will, um, did that, did that, help in terms of making a difference in, and establishing the programs. It, it absolutely did. It, it helped. And I think that
1: talking uh, within the business is important about, you know, the health of your program, um, talking about the fact that people are encouraged to speak up, making positive examples of individuals who do. So, uh, you know, we had a recognition program for people uh, that that individuals within their the business or their country could vote on and select as a person they wanted to hold up as an example of doing the right thing and acting with integrity. Um, and we recognize them. We we brought individuals from around the world to the United States, um, uh, you know, as role models, but also as kind of a reward for doing the right thing. Those kinds of programs and showing that there's a positive benefit to doing the right thing and that the business is celebrating that. Um, right went a long way in many of these countries to saying, wow, people were more inclined to, to get their name in the hat to you know be eligible. So they're willing to speak up, you know? Um, so I don't think that uh, we should deny the value of, you know, the carrot um, in, in building programs like this. It, it, having recognition uh, mechanisms is really important. And I think too is, you know, walk in the talk right one thing to say it it's something else if if you aren't making examples and and you don't take proactive um steps to remedy issues when you identify them so i think that we were blessed i was blessed in the times in the countries where i was that we had Strong tone at the top. We had leaders who were um, who were on board and promoting and advocating this. And if they weren't, frankly, they didn't last in our business very long. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a blessing. And and for people who weren't necessarily always being the type of leaders that we would need them to be, um, we didn't let them continue to influence, uh, you know, and and kind of detract from. Uh, the health of the program. So I think that's a very healthy. Um, this is a very positive environment to work in, and again, a yep. way to showing individuals that look, if you speak up, there are things that can happen, mm-hmm. and you know, all the way around.
0: Yeah. So there is a way to build a strong culture within a company, even though you there may be, you know, different geographical cultures that exist within the country. But the point is, it takes a lot of time or can take some time, we should say. Right. And they have to be able to trust it. And so to trust it, it can't just be something that's written on a piece of paper. It's got to actually be something that they can see. Um uh, uh, walking the talk and having leaders who understand that and support that and actually do walk the talk goes like probably 10 times further than where in the U.S. that may just have to be the expectation, right? Um, may feel a little different when you're internationally. And so it goes further when you do it. And I, I do agree with you. I think that with the strong leadership that was at Walmart, it, um, it helped establish that kind of a culture. And I would say, one of the things when I first got to,
1: to China and, and most people who are going there um, from a business perspective, we'll, will hear about Guanxi, which is um, you know, face or relationships. Business is built in countries in the United States. We're very um, capital uh, environment, you know, capital uh, capitalism. And we are focused on um, business and, you know, working really hard and, and doing all of these things and entrepreneurial and, and having, you know, just going out with an idea and, and launching that. In other countries, relationships were such a backbone of business. How things got done was based on building relationships. And so back to why you had to build that trust. It, you, no one is going to trust you until you build that relationship with them. Yeah. And, um, and that, you know, was very true in China, but also in, in, in India and in Japan and all the countries that I interacted with, having, taking that time to build a relationship made all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, it, 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 it just does. And then in, in some countries, it's well, in a lot of countries, it's like what you described, they're not going to do business with you until they have pretty deep uh, trusting relationships. So that's, that's interesting. Well, let's switch gears for a minute and talk about um, you, you left corporate America and jumped into higher ed and did some interesting but related and very similar work there. So at K-State, uh, you were an investigator for discrimination and harassment claims and helped build, you know, a program uh, there and helped train the faculty and staff. So what do you see as uh, some differences, let's say, in uh, if there are any or what are some of the similarities and speak up cultures at universities uh, as opposed to the corporate world?
1: Sure. Well, it was a little bit interesting. Um coming in to the higher ed environment from a corporate environment. Um, I think that freedom of speech is highly valued and promoted in the education higher ed environment. Um, People are encouraged faculty live for the opportunity to speak openly about their views and their opinions and that's in many cases protected. Um, I think that we were maybe a little bit more politically correct in the corporate environment, uh, maybe a little bit more reticent to say things. Uh, That's just the nature I think of being in a, in a corporation versus in a business versus in a higher ed environment. Um, In terms of speaking up though, I would say the opportunities, people are people. And that is one thing I would just kind of say universally is that I've learned that everyone kind of comes from, you know, it doesn't matter what industry you're in or your background. um, People have the same challenges. So I I know where um, individuals maybe didn't come forward early because they were worried about tenure or worried about their role. Um, They didn't want to be seen as the troublemaker in the department. Um, They, you know, uh, again, didn't, didn't want to impinge on a particular person's way of working, Um, and so they were, they were hesitant to speak. Interestingly enough, and at least at Kansas State, and I'm assuming most other higher ed institutions, it was a melting pot. We had people from all over the world here. both as faculty and staff and undergraduate students, graduate students, um, doctoral students, people working on some very interesting and intriguing work, um, coming in and you had a lot, I began to see cultural challenges, people coming in from one country who may say something that was misinterpreted by someone from a different country or a different culture, and really kind of practicing, hey, everybody take a deep breath, let's step back, and let's kind of Figure out from whence people are coming. Um, mm-hmm. But also saying, again, similar to what I did at Walmart, in terms of this is the way you're expected to behave here. Um, you know, this is our ways of working. Well, right. this is our expectation of behavior when you're involved or part of the Kansas State University family or organization. So, um, again, c- trying to reshift that in some situations from not right or wrong, but this, you know, uh, don't want to alienate people, but this is the expectation of how you need to to engage while you're here. Yeah. Um, so, but again, I would definitely say the same uh, challenges for, around speaking up exist. Um, people don't want to have that reputation as a troublemaker. They don't want to risk their job or their career um, or their, you know, being able to get their paper, you know, graded or... Right. Uh, know their fees just signed off on I mean whatever it is same similar situation
0: yeah and I would imagine it's the same if they can if they can see that um the organization in this case the the university not only has it on a piece of paper but there's both um well it's walking the talk right both in a positive way so so applauding those who do the right thing and making sure action is taken against those who don't live up to the expectations that you've just mentioned, then that helps build and foster that sense of community and belief in, oh, yeah, those are the expectations. I understand that. And that's something that I, I, I want to buy into uh, is a way that you can use to sort of overcome those, those hurdles.
1: Exactly, and, and I would also say that one of the things I saw was really important in the university environment, um, but equally important in the work we did uh, at Walmart, is education and, and helping people understand, um, you know, what the program is about. And if they make a mistake, it's not always fatal. There are, there's remediation and efforts to um, right. kind of learn, give people an opportunity to learn. Uh, what may be in a more appropriate way to deal with something or to engage in a practice or something that uh, is important. And I think it builds, it goes a long way, again, back to building relationships and building trust. People are more willing to come to you if, you know, about something that may be small, but you can fix and change the trajectory before it gets too, you know, too bad. Um, If they believe that there's an opportunity for people to, for remediation.
0: Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, we're humans. We're not perfect, right? But it's all about uh, continuous improvement, and um, um, for both companies and individuals. And and universally, I, I would agree. Many of the struggles when it comes to culture building exist not just in corporations. They exist really in in life in general, um, which would include institutions of higher ed, and it's the same kind of issues when you have melting pots of people and you're trying to deal with cultures and geographies and everything else. Well, Jennifer, this has been fantastic to have a chance to hear from you uh, and have you share your thoughts and wisdom from your time abroad and at K-State. I'm gonna end on one last question. Is there a good uh, movie or documentary or book or podcast or anything that you've read or listened to lately that you think uh, helps really highlight this issue of speaking up, particularly across like cultural lines? Well, this is going to be
1: absolutely silly, okay? But I had an opportunity and used something, um, uh, a very iconic, I guess, so to speak, film uh, series. But I don't, I have grandchildren, as you well know, and I was recently watching Harry Potter with my grand, and we had a very interesting conversation when, if you know the movie, uh, and hopefully some of your audience will, (laughs) there is and who called Neville Longbottom, he speaks up. He speaks up for against his friends who are sneaking out and he's trying to do what's right for everyone at his own personal, to his own personal detriment, right? Because he's jeopardizing his relationship with these friends. But having a conversation with my granddaughter about why that was a good thing, why he was doing that, why he gets a reward at the end Uh, of the movie, um, because what he did took a lot of courage. And speaking up is not easy. It's really, really hard, especially if it involves speaking up against people that you believe are your friends. And I use that as, I mean, again, a little hokey example, but something that I think relate to, because um, there are often a lot of adult Moments in these things, but trying to translate that to an eight year old um, about what that meant. And hopefully that resonates uh, with her and maybe with some of uh, your listeners um, that, you know, even in, in children's films, you can find inspiration or learning points, talking points, uh, moments where you can say, hey, this is something that um, is important. And this mm-hmm. is why you need to be the kind of person that in the, you know, as you grow up, that this is the kind of person you should aspire to be. Right. Um, so there it is. That shows the state of my, of my life. <laughs> my eight-year-old
0: granddaughter. Oh, I love it though. That whole series is timeless, right? And lots of lessons uh, in that series. So that's a, that's a great one. And I love that you ended on that. Jennifer, this has been great. Thank you for your time today and for sharing all of that with us. I appreciate it very much. Good to see you. You too, Cindy. Thanks so much. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Business Integrity School. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcast by simply searching for the Business Integrity School. Be sure to subscribe and rate us and tune in next time for more practical tips from a pro.